Yeah, alright. Get ready to go live, Ben, so give me a hot second, okay? The stream is going. Waiting for a notification, and we are live. Alright, Ben, absolutely, definitely. We are live, it's happening now. Oh, Lord. I'm looking at what's going on in my house right now. You see this kid with the boxing gloves on? I know you can't see it, Ben. I'm just, it's my house. Oh, I'm so calling in a minute. Okay. <laughs> it just, that's, that's a, uh, 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 all right, y'all. You'll know the deal. We do this every week at four o'clock. I'm hitting the button. Hey, here we are. That's right. Once again, it's the One Night Your Show. We do this every Friday. I'm sorry, every Sunday at 4 o'clock. What day am I on? I don't know. It's all happening at the same time. Oh, let me rip my microphone down. Yeah, we're going to let it go for a minute. So, hey, guys. We got a great show for you today. It's going to be incredible, incredible. We got Ben Kalos on the show today. That's Council incredible. Member. Council, Council member. member. Our first elected official is yes. on the show. So I'm really uh, happy to be doing that. We're have a big conversation with him about what's going on with his campaign. Let me just work these mics out real quick. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, please, guys, if you got the notification, you're going to want to share this show because this is off the chain right now. This is big. I'm checking my thing right here. And did I get a notification? Sandra, you got a notification. I've been sharing. Mike Jones, you got a notification. Stan Moss, did you get a notification? Yeah, we need to be sharing right now. My number one intern, did you get a notification? Share it to your friends in the school. Come on! Queens College. Queens College is in the house, y'all. Oh, man, it feels so good to be back. Oh, yeah, there it is. I got the notification. All right, I got to share. I'm talking about sharing. I got to share, too. Yeah. Feeling really good today. Doing a lot of stuff. This conversation might go a long day, and I ain't mad about it. <laughs> One nice hour. One nice hour. Yeah, one nice hour. She's like, one nice hour, Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's campaigning. He, got, he has work to do. One, <laughs> two, three, and... Once again, this is the One Night Your Show. And we want to welcome you to it. We do this every Sunday at 4 o'clock. I am one of your hosts, Rock Logic. We have the, um, the super activists... Sandrea Coleman in the building. Hmm. We have my main man, Stan Morse, who's yes, running sir. for yes, Queen's Ball president. Yep. And my right-hand man, Mike Jones, who helps me holding things down here in the studio. He's also an engineer. Hmm. And my number one intern, she's over there hanging out with the headphones on, and she's about 10 seconds behind me before she realizes that I'm actually talking about her. <laughs> Should I count that? Let me see. 
Let me just she see. Good. She good. Let's she see. good. Okay. Cool. So this has been a big week, guys. I mean, yes, um, yes, yes. Stan kicked off his new show today, which yep. which was tremendous. Um, Sandrea, your week is always big. So let's just get into it right now. Yeah. What's going on this week with you? Well, my week. What happened last week? <laughs> my my week has been busy and blessed as always. Um, throughout the week, I've been networking and touch base with Stan as he launched his new show today. Yes. Uh, what was it called? Hip Hop, Health, and Politics. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and it's going to be a great show. It was good, and you know, it's uh, his about his run as well for a Queensboro president. And I'm humbly to be the executive producer of the show. So um, th thank you for that. Absolutely. And um, two, I'm just going to jump into Tuesday. I had a great uh, Zoom check-in meeting with the faith-based leaders that help uh, homes at Isaac's uh, serve food, feed the community. So we we had a, just a logistic uh, look at, you know, what we're going to do into this next quarter. Thursday, I must say, I am fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my second shot. How, how, like how did it do? How did it treat you? Just my arm is a little sore. No okay. side effects, thankfully. I'm thankful to God that I'm good. You didn't get sick. You didn't get no the flu. No fever, no nothing. No, nothing. I was good. So I'm grateful. You're so the only I'm, person that I know personally that's been fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated so and feel good. I am too. Okay. What did you take? Did you Moderna, take the, Moderna? Moderna. So you got the two shots. Yes, I'm good now. Right? I'm right. Good. Oh, man. Awesome. So okay. I'm jumping. I'm a leap into Saturday. So the Homes Eyes coalition along with the faith-based uh partners that we uh work with and the isaac center uh, we fed the community again the homes and isaac's community we also distributed ppe um this uh new quarter we are uh, trans transitioning into uh bi-monthly now we were feeding residents once a month okay and now now i don't hear myself good i just okay. want to figure something out Go okay ahead. Okay, how's that now? Yeah, go ahead, go. Okay, so this bi-weekly now, so we're moving into bi-weekly. And my, my sound is okay? Y'all hear yep, me? Yep, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, yep. so we got rid of that. Bing, bing, bing. Okay, um, so once again, on Saturday, I joined Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney for her 12th Congressional District Caucus. Uh, her guest yesterday was Sean Donovan. Mm. So I queried him on how would he preserve our homes within NYCHA. And he explained that RAD and, and the Blueprint and other those other privatizations that we call schemes um, does not have to have the privatization component. He sp explained it a whole different way. So I'm connecting with these people. So hopefully we can get them on the show. And shout out to UES for BLM. I'm one of the organizers. We've been out there since June 2nd. Today is our 314th consecutive day. Wow. So that was my week and happy to have my uh, council member on our show today. <laughs> so happy to have him with Beautiful. us. Stan Moss. Yeah, well, as, as was stated earlier, we kicked off our show today, Health, Hip Hop, and Politics. So big shout out Sanjay and Rock for helping me making this happen. Uh, Sugar Ray, who came on the show, Ladaska, Freestyle Eddie, Mike, you know, all the people that was um, involved, Elena, who tuned in, uh, my boy Hank from high school, uh, who tuned in as well, and some of the others. It was a great kickoff, and um, I'm still buzzing from that. You know, as for the organizing work, um, we're still fighting with Ravenswood. You know, I went down to the management office again, uh, this week with some residents and and same old story to get the brush off. Um, and I'm starting to notice that a lot of residents are being overcharged in rent. And, um, and at the same time, they're, they're actually uh, threatening people with eviction and they're wrong in their rent calculations, you know. So we um, we had a meeting with the new manager in Ravenswood, Miss Liverpool, and um, she supposedly is going to rectify the situation where a resident is being charged for two apartments. Oh, now, wow. One apartment was deemed inhabitable. So she had to move because her apartment was no longer able to be lived in. They moved it to another apartment. 
And so now they're charging her rent for both apartments. Wow. Now, how can you charge somebody rent for an apartment that's not even habitable? You know, which is in, insane, you know? So they're saying this is the NYCHA rules. So I question, I, I think to them, if, if those are the rules in NYCHA, then the rules have to be changed. Well, no, it's, it's a stupid rule. Right, it's a dumb rule. How, how are you having somebody pay? She's $3,000. It wouldn't be me. Now. It wouldn't be me. She, so she's fighting back. She um She's withholding her rent. She mm -hmm. has her rent in, in escrow. Uh, which is her legal right to do that. And um, she's not paying another dime until they get it straight. Um, they sent her a letter the same day we went. They, she gave right. a big file. And so there's no way in the world they went through that whole file in that little bit of time. So they, they immediately shot a letter in, in, under her door in like an hour or two after we were in the office. You know, right. basically saying, yes, you owe this money and uh, we're looking to maybe take your apartment. Amazing. That's my choice. What, what, the uninhabitable one? Yeah, so, so that they, well, I'm not sure. Are they going to evict her out of the uninhabitable no, they, apartment? They, 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 just... they, they're going to evict her out of the one she's living in now, uh, which, which is, which is uh, habitable. Of course, it wouldn't take the bad apartment. Right, right. right. This is, this is. This NYCHA is, rules. Right. This is oh. the most, this is, this is NYCHA. This is the type of uh, dysfunction uh, that, that many residents deal with. And then when you go get an answer, you know, um, they have nothing to say to them. Wow. So, you know, we're going to fight back. And um, that's, that was my week. Mike Jones, the ninja. We never know what Mike Jones is saying under that mask. What's up, Mike Jones? Well, um, this week, I'm about a little smooth, but I'm supposed to be um, doing this little film with people that have sleep apnea, actually. Okay. And, um, I guess he's supposed to be letting everybody know. He's supposed to make a film about me. I'm supposed to tell him my whole, because I have sleep apnea. So okay. I let him know my whole life story, and it was a rough life story, awesome. to be honest. Like a documentary. About, Good. Right. Congratulations. Okay, okay, Mike. Listen, Proud on, of you. Proud of you. Doing big things. Tough. It was like, especially in 2016, right before I found that I had sleep apnea, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. I was going through a lot of mental situations mm -hmm. that turned to to a lot of physical situations. Look, I got gained a lot of weight. I was actually like 178. Little skinny guy. The most. I gained 40 pounds in two weeks at one point in time. Wow. wow. And that was ridiculous. But um, yeah, I was supposed to make a film about that. And you know, I also did my little actor classes and right. also my regular school also did that as well. Awesome. And I also watched these two movies that just actually put some thing on me. It was. I don't know if y'all know about Judas and the Black Messiah. That was a great movie. Yeah, I saw that. that. Real phenomenal movie. Great movie. Awesome. And then I also seen this other movie called um, Two Distant Strangers or something like that. It was on Netflix. Netflix drama about how this police kept he this dude, this black dude, kept leaving his house, his this girl house, trying to get back to his house with his dog. And every time he went outside, a police actually killed him. He was like in this loophole. Mm. And no matter what he did. He always got killed by the same police, even though he tried to do different things. The police always killed him for some reason. Wow. wow. Even when he tried to talk to the police, just give him a ride home. The police hmm. gave him a ride home. Seemed like he was a nice guy. And then still killed him. Wow. And wow. The end of the movie, I don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a rough movie. So, <laughs> so now, okay, wow. in, in official tradition on how we do it on the show, we're going to turn it over to our special guest, special guest, Big shout out to Councilman Ben Kalos. Ben. Woo. Thank you, Rock, for the intro. Uh, nice to meet you, Stan and Mike. Please do call me Ben. Uh, Sandrea does. Uh, Sandrea and I see each other quite often. I actually just saw her on Friday. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, we actually see each other at, you know, at, at 
least once a month, usually more than that. I do something crazy, uh, something that most politicians would consider career suicide. And that is every single month, I have open office hours where anyone can come talk to me about whatever they want. And, and I got to tell you, Sandrea Coleman's there every single month for my first Friday. And I, I am very lucky to have her in my community and have her as a leader. Uh, we'll, we'll get into why I'm so lucky to have a NYCHA <laughs> resident like Sandrea and Lakeisha and so many others at Stanley Isaacs because uh, pe people may try to mess around with NYCHA, but not our, not our developments. <laughs> That's right. I love that. So once a month, people just come to your office to just talk to you. We, we used to do it in person. Yeah. Now we do it over Zoom. Zoom okay. Now that Sandrea's got the vaccine, I got the vaccine. <laughs> uh, I'll be fully vaccinated in 10 more days. Huh? Uh, but um, yeah, listen, I work for residents. And if an elected official, if you, if you can't go see your elected official and know you're going to see them in person, mm -hmm. then they ain't doing, they're, they're not doing their job for you. Right. Well, that's right. That's right. That's it's true. very rare too. That's very, very rare. My uh, son, I mean, I'm, yeah. I am I am astounded. I'm like, wow, yeah. you know. So, so Ben, what is the new venture? You're moving into something new, from what I understand. You're looking I'm, for I'm, a higher office, a promotion. Which yeah. <laughs> well, I'm running for Manhattan Borough President. And Ooh, we gotta talk that, don't we? And I think that, Ben. We gotta absorb that for a minute. Thank okay, you. So, so the reason I'm running is because. I have something pretty flowery talking about how everywhere else in America, people try to get out and get out. But here in New York City, we try to stay. And I'll just be frank and honest here. I'm afraid of getting priced out and pushed out of this city. And it seems like no matter how much money you make, it's never enough. And when I looked at all these politicians out there who keep selling out their communities so that they could raise money to run for a higher office, it's just like the only way I'm going to be able to stay here and raise a family. I've got a three-year-old daughter is uh, if I actually step up to the plate myself and protect public housing residents, protect affordable housing and actually get it because Sandrea can vouch for me. There isn't a person in this world I won't stand up to and that's in mm -hmm. particular real estate developers because mm -hmm. if you want to ask where politicians get their money, right. it's real estate developers. And those real estate developers get it. politicians $5,000 of pop. Mm. And they give it, their spouse give it, all their kids give it. Uh, it comes out to like $100,000. And I got to ask you, I got to ask your listeners, ever give anyone $5,000? Wow. wow. You know what people want in return? I'll tell you, I offered my wife a gift once. <laughs> I asked her, I, I, I offered her a gift and uh, I expected her to spend the rest of her life with me. And now our daughter's three. So like, that's how that went. But <laughs> That's how it went down. If, if you've seen Rounders, if you're sitting at the table and you can't spot the sucker, then it's you. Mm. And, uh, that's how politics has been working for way too long. They, yeah. they say they have another saying. It's not kind of like that, and that is, if you're not on the menu, if 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 you if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. That's right. <laughs> right. You're the food. So yeah. We we were we had that happen to us when NYCHA told us about our about the infill. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how many meetings Sandria went to, probably 75, maybe 100. And they kept telling us it was a done deal. Yep. And we beat so them. Long. But the whole it's time, it seemed like uh, seemed like we weren't at the table. I wasn't even at the table. They didn't even want me there. Yeah. Wow. 
And and I sat with the former chair and, and, and her team, Emma Wolf and all of that. And, you know, a couple of times, Brian Holland, and it was basically just having these conversations and they still was trying to put it down our throat. But thankfully to Councilmember Ben Kalos and our other uh, elected official allies and other allies, like, you know, Stan and others, sure, we, sure. we kept the fight going. So, and it's done. <laughs> it's done, right? <laughs> yep. They can't get it done yeah. under this mayor. So it, yeah. it, the price of, of our playgrounds is literally they wanted to put a 50-story building on a playground. They were going to mm. leave nature residents in the shadows of uh, the wealthy. Yeah. Um, but not only do we have to beat this mayor, which we have, but we have to beat the next mayor. Mm. The mayor after that and the mayor after that until they get the point that uh, NYCHA land is for NYCHA. It is for yeah. public housing. It is for affordable housing. It is yeah. for millionaires and billionaires to get richer and to give uh, wealthy people views over uh, the rest of us. Exactly. Keep public housing public. That's right. Yeah, and I have a question, because, and then we're going to get into more specific things. You know, Sandrea has a list of questions. No, I don't. <laughs> That's just not so phone call. I'm just telling you. <laughs> no, right, but but uh, you know, because and I'm sort of new to the politics thing. As a councilman, right? I mean, is there a is there an office that you go to, you know, cast your vote like the Senate? Like do you guys all go and, and congregate in City Hall and cast your votes? And if you do, how often do you guys go there to actually? So according to the charter. The city council only needs to meet once a year and that's called the charter meeting. And generally we don't actually do any work at that meeting. We just do it to say we did it. But um, unlike Congress and actually unlike the state legislature which only meets January through June, city council meets year round. We generally meet at least twice a month. Uh, we try to do it every two weeks unless there's Jewish holidays or Easter or things like that. So in April, we're gonna have meetings a week after another. And ultimately before the pandemic, we were at City Hall. And so folks, if you wanted, you could actually stand at City Hall. And uh, I'll tell you lobbyists, stand at the doors of City Hall and kind of like there's a gauntlet you have to go through. And I really wish we could get rid of the lobbyists and replace it with uh, NYCHA tenants. Every time we had a meeting, cameras rolling, I promise you we'd actually be fully funding NYCHA as much as I'd like to. So, so, so Ben, what you're telling me is that when you guys meet at City Hall, right, I, I could go down there and stand in front of City Hall and wait for you guys to come outside. That's correct. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you there's a couple of side doors <laughs> that sometimes the, the mayor might use, but uh, we're, we're online right now. But once we get back in person, there's that. Also, right now we're doing our city budget. We've got more money than we know what to do with from the federal government. And now mm. it's time to tell Albany and the corrupt Albany legislature that $200 million for NYCHA is a spit in the face and that yeah. they need to give us the billions we need, yeah. that we need direct support from Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. And I think they're going to be able to do that. I, we, we need billions of dollars, yeah. not millions. And since I've been in the council, we've been pushing for $2 billion a year for NYCHA to get you fully funded over the next 10 years. We're going to keep fighting for it because at the end of the day, the worst slumlord in the city of New York is Bill mm -hmm. de Blasio. Yeah. Well, call uh -huh. it out. Say it, <laughs> say it like it is. Yeah, he's the king of the slumlords. He's, he's yeah. done it big. 
Horrible, you know, horrible. Well, he's the best of the best. He's the best slumlord ever. I mean, let's just put it with yeah. You know and, and and even over the 10 year period, to be honest, it doesn't that doesn't help us, right? We need immediate money, immediate funding flushed time. in right. immediately to help us, you know. So because we've been asking, you know, I think I I facilitated my first press conference in 2016 in January, and it was you and Richie Torres was the head of housing. We did that in front of City Hall and we were asking for fun less money than we're asking for now. So over the years, you know, our homes have deteriorated, deteriorated more and more. Absolutely. So, you know, we need, as I've been saying, the city, state, and the federal government to fund NYCHA and just fund us fully. And once they do that, then then we can, you know, live more better. And they would probably, the waiting list would probably attract more uh, middle and moderate people that can afford, you know, that can fit the what is it the criteria to move into public housing mm -hmm. because it is a mixed income bag you know everybody in NYCHA is not dirt poor right. which some people assume they are you know right. I was a former municipality worker and there's a whole lot of you know teachers everybody's in there right, right. so right. yeah but thank you for fighting for us continuously Ben Kalos thank you and thank you. one thing I do want to yeah. echo well first thing and Sandra is being polite but <laughs> when I got yeah, elected Holmes and Isaacs were rated 86, uh, had a score of 86. They were the best buildings in public housing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't even, the monitor said they didn't need to get reinspected. And what ended up happening is while they were, while, when they came and said they wanted to do the infill, all the residents were like, what are you talking about? Our building's mm -hmm. in great shape. And they just walked away from the premises. They got nailed in federal court for this. Because either they lied about the condition of the building yeah. before I got elected, or in order to try to force tenants to eat infill so that a real estate developer could make money, they abandoned the property and tried yeah. to make it fall apart just mm -hmm. so that they could make money on it. Yeah. Wow. Tell it. Tell wow. it. Ask a question. Tell it. Yeah, so for those uh, people uh, who are watching me, I mean, not exactly know what infill is. Uh, so can you tell folks exactly when you say infill, exactly what were they trying to do? So what Mayor de Blasio wanted to do is take children's playgrounds and basically, let's say you look outside your window, he wanted to take a building, put it, put another building 40 feet away. And let's say you're in, Holmes and Isaacs are actually some of the taller NYCHAs out there. They're 20 stories tall. So they want to put up a 50 story building, uh, build it 40 feet away from the existing NYCHA building so that the tenants are literally just staring at the side of another building and put the low income people on the bottom of the building so they can all just stare at each other in the shadows and then put the wealthy people on top on the building. And it was going to be, I think, 30, 20, 30, 70, mm. what they're talking yeah. about. And so the idea is taking away all the playgrounds taking away uh, any public parking, uh, taking away anything nice that people yeah. in public housing have, Available and uh, trying to wall in the public housing so that they can gentrify the neighborhood and just make it look like luxury high rises everywhere. Yeah. Wow, wow. So now as uh, Mahambo president, you, uh, you're gonna be involved with a, with a lot of land use um, issues and such. Uh, can you tell folks from your perspective, what, what, is, what is wrong with affordable housing today? Why don't we have it? Um, and how can you um, impact it as Manhattan Borough President? So what happened at Holmes and Isaacs is completely unique 
because if you go to any of the other public housing that they're talking about, uh, the politicians are actually trying to uh, overrule the residents and do infill and do rad and force the existing tenants out. So let's be clear. I talked a little bit about this when we started. So here's how it all works. Real estate developers make billions of dollars off the city. They get land for a dollar. They don't pay taxes. Uh, they borrow billions of dollars from the city to finance buildings. They get grants of hundreds of thousands of dollars per unit. And so they're taking billions. And then they usually don't even give us the affordable housing that they promised. Right. At the same time, they're giving corrupt politicians thousands and thousands of dollars. And you know who pays for it? <laughs> Dan does, Mike does, right. Andrea does, Rock does, I do. And those politicians, they're selling out their communities so that they can build up their campaign coffers so that they can all run for that iron throne, for that mayoralty. And that, that had to stop. That's why I said no to real estate money. I've always refused it. And why I wrote a new campaign finance system. And so folks like uh, Stan can run on small dollars. You don't need to take big dollars anymore. You can get as many people as you know to give you 175. It gets matched eight to one with tax dollars. And now folks like me, folks like Stan and others can actually just run the right way without real estate money and win. And so as borough president, I'm going to go in and actually say to developers, I'm not giving you anything you don't need. So that means equity. So right now, um, I say to every real estate developer that comes to me, I say, can you build a school? Can you build affordable housing that's affordable for people in the neighborhood? Or can you build services for homeless people? Yeah. And so I will tell you that is why we built uh, housing for homeless women and children a block from where I live. Yes. I think it's actually a block from where Sandrea lives too. Uh, we're building a, a shelter two or three blocks from where I live. And I think a block or two from where Sandrea lives, we live close to each other. Uh, she's my neighbor and I'm very lucky. Uh, and so when people say affordable housing, affordable housing can be for people making as much as $200,000 a year. Anyone think that somebody making $200,000 a year needs affordable housing? Absolutely not. There's something wrong with the city. <laughs> not where not. People yeah, not at all. Thousand dollars a year get affordable housing. You can't afford so, a house for two hundred thousand dollars a year. You, you don't need to be living in a house. You're like I don't understand that. Wow. Right. So um, I want to make sure that the affordable housing isn't geared towards the tri-state area, which is how they currently do it. I want it tied to your census block. So mm. people on the block make a certain amount. That's what it should be key to. That we can keep the people there. Yeah. Um, one other piece, and, and Sandrea touched on it. People treat it kind of like a, a closely held secret, but I don't think I don't know if listeners know this. Uh, I didn't know this. I was kind of shocked. Uh, do you know what the income limit this year is for a single person to get a uh, studio or one bedroom in NYCHA? Hmm. No. It is sixty-three thousand seven hundred dollars. Wow. So more than half of New York City residents could live in public housing. I'm sorry, wait, $63,000. And I think well, that if we had- to live in a studio, is that what you mean? In uh, it's 63000 for one person, 72800 for mm -hmm. two people. 
81,900 for three people. So that's two people making 40 a year with a kid. Except two kids, it goes up to $90,950. So NYCHA is there and it's mm -hmm. there for everybody from, yep. from those in our homeless shelters, but also it can be there for middle income folks too. And so I, I just want to echo what Sandrea was saying. If folks realized that this was a community asset and that it could be there for everybody, um, I'll tell you that in, in Europe, in Austria, they have social housing where you have millionaires living next door to pensioners, living next door to people who are formerly homeless and living next door to people who are justice involved, living next door to police officers and school teachers. And I think that would change our city's fabric. Yeah, it would. Wow, yeah. So interesting, right? So the, uh, just because I want a little clarity on that. So the family, that's, so, the, so the single person is making $63,000 a year, right? That wants to take on a NYCHA studio apartment. How much would that person be paying in rent? 30%? Right. I don't have that number. 30% of their income. So they'd be paying 30 yeah, thirty percent of their ink there, whatever they are no, monthly. Their monthly. Yeah, but I mean, you could do the math. Thirty percent okay. of their income. Okay. I didn't make a hundred grand when I was working, but I was making nice money. I was making more than sixty-three thousand dollars. Right. I used right. to supervise payroll, so I was living in public housing. I was in one bedroom, and when I moved to the two bedrooms, my you know my rent went up, up. But yeah. But it was thirty percent. Of course, yeah, thirty percent. So but so then the, they so also factor a little bit of the AMI, which is a problem. AMI is a what? little bit the area medium income, right? Which needs to be abolished. So they have a flat rate in right. the office as well. So they either do the flat rate or they it's, it's some kind of scale they have. Because I was I in the office with. Go ahead. I think I, I don't know. I, I we will we'll get an answer for you for your next episode. But I think for the mm -hmm. studio, it'd be twelve fifty a month. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> about right. If you were making that sixty three thousand. If you were making uh, less, if, if you are making, let's just say 31,840, then it would be about 567 a month. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's a formula here that can work for everybody. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, public housing is for right. pretty much everyone, unless you, unless you, I mean, if you're a doctor, right, and you're making over 100 grand or so, but maybe not, but yeah, I mean, you, most of your municipality workers, people, correction officers, right, right. officers, uh, detectives, I mean, they're all walks of teachers, social workers, they're in public housing. They've always been in public housing. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And people seem to um, think that right. it's just... That everybody's all messed up in right. welfare and public right. housing. And that's not the... No, right? it's a mixed that that, that just, is a picture that they, that they portray right. when it's actually a mixed bag of nuts. Yeah. And I think one thing I just want to add in, which is just very broken, is just if we've got folks making 60000 a year or more in public housing mm -hmm. and we're collecting $1,200 a month for a studio, right. that, that's pretty much market rate or above market rate in some parts of Manhattan, especially where a lot of public housing is. You can, you can, you can get a studio around 1200 on the Upper East Side. You can get that in East Harlem, definitely. And so the question is, how come a person at market rate making that can uh, maintain the unit, but at public housing, they're acting like they're doing folks a favor and giving it away when they're not, they're charging rent and they're not even maintaining their property. Yeah, wow. I have a question from the chat. Renee Simone, um, what are your numbers for affordable housing, not AMI, but dollar amounts? She wanted to know if you had 
a, I guess, a range? Sure. So right now, the city uh, sets AMI based on the tri-state area. So the tri-state area, the area mean income is uh, about 80,000 a year for a single person. Now that is like twice what an average New York City resident makes. So instead of doing the 100% the or even 80%, the affordable housing that we're doing should be keyed to the neighborhood we're in. So it's actually pre preserving. So for most of New York City, that should be around uh, the 30 to 40 to 50%, which is between 23,000 a year to 39,000 a year. Yep. That's the affordable housing we should build building, not stuff for people making 200,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. And what and let me give you the max. The maximum right. income you can make and get affordable housing in New York City is $247,665 a year. You don't have to take my word for it. If you type in HPD space AMI, they have a chart right there and you can see those numbers for yourself. Wow. Thank you. A lot of folks don't know that's why yeah, we don't have affordable housing. You know, it's, the, it's skewed in such a way that um, it can't exist unless we radically change it. So I'm glad to hear you say that. There's a lot of elected officials don't say that or don't talk about it. And most of the public don't know. And we get left out in the cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you explain your work on pandemic recovery? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Please. When the pandemic struck, there were a lot of politicians who went on social media, went on TV, and just said whatever would get them on TV. Uh, <laughs> and that's not how I work. So the, the first thing we did is we started a uh, PPE clearinghouse. It was coronavirus at bencalis.com. It's still up and running. And we were working with people all over the city, the state, the country, and the planet to source PPE. We got it for the city, for the state, for H plus H. And uh, when they were unresponsive, we worked, went directly to the hospitals. Uh, we worked with the hospitals to set up masks at the various hospital names. And we were able to really save a lot of lives right then and there. We also needed more beds because we were concerned about people dying because we didn't have enough treatment capacity. So we actually opened 350 beds on Roosevelt Island at Health and mm -hmm. Hospitals at Kohler. We opened an old wing that had been closed. And I know that they were going to be turning that into a luxury real estate development, but we actually saved a public hospital, turned it into the Roosevelt Island Clinic where people were treated for coronavirus like and it's still up there. It's still got 350 beds for um, treating people. We also went to hospital for special surgery, got another 200 beds, got us to 550 beds, which is basically our office alone got as many, half as many beds as the USNS Comfort. So listen, you don't need the Navy, you just needed our office. Uh, and then we got PPE and we tried to distribute it ourselves. And I'll say we were not, we weren't as good at it as we could have been. But then we reached out to the community and said, would anyone like masks and hand sanitizer to give away? Yep. And I have to say, <laughs> Andrea has been handing it out, I believe on a week by week basis since the pandemic started. We provide mm -hmm. the masks, the sanitizer. Sometimes I stop by, but she's there day in, day out, <laughs> doing the service, doing the work, making sure that residents of public housing uh, have the PPE they need. When she told me people were hungry, we uh, brought in uh, food. 
when we didn't have enough volunteers to distribute the food, we brought in volunteers from the community when that wasn't enough. We uh, worked with a group called Wildcat. They work with uh, formerly homeless and justice involved individuals. Uh, they get housing and they help clean our streets. Uh, they do amazing work. And you know what? At the beginning of the pandemic, no one was on the streets. So we pulled them off the street and I just had them doing food distribution. So uh, that's a little bit of what we've been doing. When people were saying don't get tested, we worked to make sure we got additional testing facilities. We opened additional labs, made sure people got connected with testing. And when the vaccine came out, our office connected people with vaccines. If you need a vaccine and you still can't get one, call my office. You can email coronavirus at bencalos.com. And uh, we didn't have vaccines on Roosevelt Island. We brought vaccines to Roosevelt Island. And just to be very clear, one of the reasons I'm running for borough president is because my district has some of the highest vaccination rates in the city, possibly even the country. And my district is overwhelmingly white. And if you go to communities of color, particularly black and brown communities, there are no vaccination sites. And the same people who paid for the pandemic with their lives aren't getting the vaccines that they need. Yeah. So I want to be borough president so I can make sure that we actually have equitable access to health care. Uh, we can take on diabetes and the things that actually led to more people dying from the yeah. pandemic. Uh, not only just the fact that they were on most more of our essential workers are black and brown than anything else. Uh, but we also need to make sure everyone has access to this vaccine. Uh, this vaccine may last six months, it may be a year, but we're going to be in a cycle of needing vaccines. And we need to make sure that those on the front lines get the vaccines first, period. Awesome. awesome. There was something that was in the chat room that, uh, let me see. Uh, hold on. Kim Tyree says, what is your platform for working with next mayor to get the funding allotted to my district for school? Yes, that's That Kim. is underfunded. Yep, yep. She's in Jefferson Houses. He's Harlem, right? Yep, yep, Harlem. yep. Mm -hmm. Our schools are deeply segregated. They are worse today than they were during Brown versus Board of Education. In my district, I have about 18 public schools and nine of them are from kids from the neighborhood and nine of them are citywide. Now, some of them, one of them is integrated. It's called Ella Baker. It's amazing. It's 30, 30, 10, and it's incredibly integrated. But then I have uh, a school across the street from another school. One school is 99.5% black and brown. And the other school is, uh, I think, 80% Caucasian. Yeah. So I went to the mayor and asked him to integrate. and He had no interest in it. And I'm still... No, I'm so I'm so, so I, want, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of this real quick, Ben. So what do the kids in the Caucasian school have that the kids in the uh, minority school don't have in terms, let's start with, let's start, start in terms of programs. What programs do they have in the Caucasian school? Let me put it this way, because we just had a huge fight. Uh, the, the school that I'm talking about is, so we have PS 198, PS 77 on 96th street and Lexington. And it's across the street, about a block away from life sciences. And so I asked the mayor to invest in life sciences. And instead, they truncated the school and then they co-located it with the charter. Mm. And so we just had a pretty big fight with the mayor over the co-location. 
And so just to be clear, the charter, sorry, the, the, the life sciences school doesn't have a kitchen. It doesn't have a gym. It doesn't have an auditorium. The gym and the auditorium are shared. The walls don't have paint on them. They're old. The ACs don't work. Uh, the computers that I bought them, the city wouldn't let them spend the money on it. Uh, the social services staff that the school wants to hire, the city won't let them hire. Um, we ended up getting a one-page letter listing all the things that they would agree to fix in the school that in any other school I wouldn't have to do. Um, the question the city asked me is, why are you fighting so hard for the school? None of the kids are from your neighborhood. And I said, because I represent wow. the school. That's incredible. So, and, and you know what? And, and, it, it, and here's, here's where people get this thing twisted, right? You don't have to be in, in, in a particular district to do what's right. You don't have to be a particular type or represent a particular type of, of area to do what's right. You know, like I don't, I'm not in that area and I feel like going out in front of the school and really campaigning just because you know why? Skip the part that it is a school and focus on the part that these are children that are in this school in these conditions. And that's just wrong. You know what I'm saying? I don't gotta, because I'm from Queens doesn't mean I could can't fight for this school that's not in my district, because I'm not fighting for the school. I'm fighting for the children of the school. And, and we can champion that all day. You know what I'm saying? We could, me, Ben, super activist, Sandrea, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, any of us can go, you know, anybody listening on the chat could go, you know what? That it's just not right. No, it's not. No child should go to a school in these conditions. I, 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 I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm sorry. I know I got a little riled up because I didn't expect that to be your answer. Yeah. You said they don't have a gym. <laughs> you said they don't have a gym. A gym. A gym. I just really, I didn't. And do I just, not worry about it because it's not your district, but he's a city council member, a city right, council right, member. So right, yeah. even though he has a district, he still works with this is pathetic. It's crazy. Right. I mean, you can do what's right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you live in Long Island and you think it's not right, you should be out in front, mm -hmm. you know, because once again, we, 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 we depersonalize it when we say school. Yeah. This ain't a school. These are, what, 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 what's the children, age group? What is the age group? Future. What is the age group here we're talking about? This what's is high school kids. So this is uh, 13 to 21. Wow. 13 to 21. The most formative years. The yeah. formative years yeah. where these kids should be uh, 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 learning uh, financial literacy, where they should be crafting yeah. uh, 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 a career, the mm -hmm. entry level of some kind of career that they might want to get into. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and, and sadly, the age that they're looking to fingerprint them if they do anything wrong. Right, so right. You, you need the schools. We need the schools. Yeah, look at the environment you put them in the school to prison pipeline, we need the schools. Absolutely. And that's the, the other inequity, which is in in, in this in my in my schools where that's majority Caucasian, um, no scanners, no nothing like that. At Julie Richmond Education Complex, Mayor de Blasio and administration, uh, without telling anyone, showed up with scanners one day to a school wow. that was majority students of color. And all that's going to do is, is create criminal records for kids who don't deserve it. And there weren't any problems. There was one incident, but we weren't. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry, Ben. They showed up with scanners for what? what? 
scan of the weapons, right? right. Yeah, they, they, they showed up and they were they they showed up out of nowhere with scanners to start uh, wanding all the kids. Mm -hmm. There was there there was an incident with two kids. Incidents happen at every single school in the city, so they showed up with scanners. The principals reached out to me and said, "We don't want scanners in our schools." And so I got Gail Brewer involved, and the two of us crushed them and said, "You cannot put scanners <laughs> in, in our schools. You cannot treat our children, particularly." In a school that is majority students of color like criminals and uh, we beat them but this is happening everywhere all over the borough of manhattan yeah. most elected officials only ask one question they ask do i represent these people will they vote for me and, and i can tell you that the kids aren't going to be able to vote for me their families aren't going to be able to vote for me whether it's for council or borough president mm -hmm. but it's still the right thing to do and i will represent them and i need to say one other thing because people talk a lot about ptas and they say well there's pta money there's pta money that mm -hmm. Elected officials give schools more than most PTAs can raise. Mm. And so when I got elected, a lot of the money was only going to certain schools in the neighborhood. And you can guess which ones. <laughs> and what I said to every single principal, and because money is power, right. is I said, listen, I'm going to give you money no matter what. It's not my money, it's taxpayer money. So every year I give in every school in my district, regardless of whether the kids are from the neighborhood, $50,000. And that's, I asked them to use it on technology, but they can spend it however they want. And that's why when the pandemic started, Life Sciences had enough laptops to send every single kid home with a device when the pandemic wow. started. And there are still wow. thousands of kids who have still have missed more than a year of school who still don't have a device. I've actually introduced legislation with Eric Adams, the uh, Brooklyn Borough President, Gail Brewer, the Manhattan Borough President, Jamani Williams, the public advocate to say every student who needs a laptop should be guaranteed one along with free internet and if they don't get it by the time i am borough president day one i will buy a laptop for every single public school student in manhattan wow that's okay. awesome that's awesome yes, yes. while we're in while we're still in education a little bit let me just ask you this can you speak about your work on education including expanding 3k for all and ending the two case rule. I know you do a lot of work with that, but it'd be good if you can talk to the viewership, please. So there was a two case rule. If two kids got coronavirus, tested positive in a school, they took shut it down for two weeks. And I do First Friday. And I think about three First Fridays in a row, parents came and said, Ben, we want you to take a position on it. And I said, let me think on it, let me think on it. And one of the reasons that I do First Friday and why I do open office hours is because it makes me better at my job. And so I'm the only elected official in this race who came out in favor of pulling back the two case rule. I believe now the mayor's agreed to do four cases and they have to be related. They have to actually be contact traced to show that the kids got it from each other. And so I think that's gonna go a long way to actually keeping schools open because parents were telling me that just the schools, even if they were open, they were closed. Um, so that's one piece. When the mayor said he was going to do universal pre-K in 2014, I helped him. I fought alongside him. And then he gave the Upper East Side, which does include Holmes and Isaacs, uh, and Roosevelt Island, which includes, uh, it's uh, not public housing per se, but a lot of Section 8 sticky voucher tenants. And um, we got 100 seats, 143 to be exact. And it turned out we needed a lot more. So we fought the mayor until 2017 when he finally funded, fully funded, and we got 1,183 seats. 
and now everyone in the neighborhood has a seat for their four-year-old. And then the mayor in 2017 said he was going to do 3K for all. And he said he was going to get it done by 2021. And as of a month ago, he had only rolled it out to, I think, one third of the city, half the school districts. And uh, as I have a happenstance to do, I stood up to the mayor and said, you have to do this. You have to do it for all of Manhattan because Upper East Side was missing it. Uh, Lower Manhattan was missing it. Central Harlem didn't have it because, and so uh, I kept coming at him and he said, you know what, Ben, if we get money from the federal government, we'll do it. And so I went to Congress member Carol Maloney and said, we need this money. She got the money. I came back to the mayor and said, we got the money from Carol Maloney. Three K to Manhattan, and they said I'll do one better. I'll bring it citywide. So now we're fighting to do it. Now the problem is the mayor is going to come back with all the excuses for why he can't do it in Manhattan, why he doesn't need to do it for Central Harlem, or the Upper East Side, or Upper West Side, or Lower Manhattan. And so this is where I need help from people who are uh, watching or listening to One Night Shift. If you know of an empty storefront like an old Dwayne Reed that's ten thousand square feet. Let us know. If you've got a youth center on site that isn't being used during the day, let us know. If you know of a child care center that has a three-year-old class that's interested, let us know. Uh, email education at bencalos.com and we will work with you to get the seats in the neighborhood. Awesome. That's great. Wow. That's great. Ooh. That's great. That's great. Yeah, giving us you, good information. I've been working on this since before my daughter was three, but I'll tell you, um, as a new parent, it's really hard to raise a family here. And I want to get universal child care for anyone and everyone. So right now we're going to have 3K. Once we get that done, I want to get 2K and then 1K. Okay. And then <laughs> once, you're, once you're done with family leave and everyone should be guaranteed family leave, mm -hmm. you should be able to either stay home with your child if you so choose, or you should be able to go back to work. I agree nice. with that. I agree with that. How old is your... Uh, is your uh... Child, three, three, three. Wow, <laughs> wow. Wait till the Pandora. She's, uh, uh, I think she's twelve. Yeah, she's twelve. Oh, you have a twelve-year-old. This is twelve-year-old cat named Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> okay, unlike the cat, when the child becomes 12, 13, they turn into an entirely different person. Oh boy! I'm just warning you yep. ahead of time. Ten years from now, call me. <laughs> Be like, Rock, you were right. You know, like call they. Me too. I got my <laughs> oh my god! His cat is famous. Yes. Trust me, okay. everyone knows the cat. Everyone what? knows Councilmember's cat. What is Her the name? Pandora. She's a big deal. Pandora. Big deal Pandora, big, right? Big deal Pandora. I love it. I have another question. The first cat of Manhattan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, for me, and maybe you can help me out, but only our five NYCHA buildings, which is Holmes and, and Isaacs, are in the 68, 68 AD Assembly District, which to me is systemic because everyone across the street or next block over has a different Assemblyman, I love my assemblyman, but it's it was so hard, extremely hard during this pandemic because of our zip code to feed people and to get what we needed. And, you know, I had to reach out to the council member's office because, you know, other developments were getting boxes of food and fresh right. produce. And it was real. I mean, we had the Isaac Center and they were helping more of the seniors. And then, you know, I had to work with them, too, and the council member to start feeding regular people. But. Why is it that we are up in East Harlem when everything across the street, everybody, why is that? 
And how can I, if it, is it possible I can get that changed? Uh, now is the right time to be asking that question. The uh, governor just set aside $4 million in the budget for the legislative task force on okay. redistricting, it stands okay. for LATFOR. And in the next year, they're going to be uh, asking people where to redraw the assembly lines and the Senate lines. I think it's worth having a conversation with your current assembly member to just let them know you'd like to be represented by one of the uh, assembly members for the east side so that you, you don't end up in a situation where you're, you're in one zip code, right. but you're one of the very few blocks represented by one assembly member. Uh, so I think first have that conversation with that assembly member mm -hmm. as well as with the state senator. Okay. Uh, and then Rodriguez and Serrano. Feel okay. free to, to organize and bring people out to lap for. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to start once we get the census information back in mm -hmm. Actually, very soon. So that that is the time to start mobilizing and organizing. Okay. And um, that's one of the issues we have when the city moves to doing things by zip code. Yeah. So under Mayor De Blasio, whether for good or for bad, he said, "I'm only going to do certain things in mm -hmm. in zip codes which are very large, mm -hmm. uh, where they have certain poverty rates." So, so for pre-K, he's like, I want to focus on neighborhoods and zip codes where there's a, a lot more low-income people than the Upper East Side, for better or for worse. And what happened is, if you want integrated communities, if you want people to be able to live in homes in Isaacs on the Upper East Side in a wealthy zip code, what ends up happening is not only do you have to have, do, do the tenants end up paying higher prices for groceries, yep. but you end up getting fewer city services. Uh, oh, true. And, and so that that is the, the counter argument. And that's why I always fight so hard because Thank you. Uh, what, what affects the, the it, it affects all of us. Yes, it does. You, you know, the crazy thing is that, um, you know, I, th I think we didn't realize this in the 60s when they first started the zip code. I, I I'm probably the oldest person at this table. No, but no, okay. No. So do you remember? Do you remember Stand when? It. Do you remember <laughs> when the zip code was a new thing, right? And they had Mr. Zip, and they were telling everybody, "You got to put your zip code on right. the on the thing," right? And who knew that that could be turned into sort of a, a segregation tool, right? Absolutely. Because before then, the neighborhoods it was like when the phone, right? Before there was all of New York was two one two. At one, all of New York You're was right. two one two. Long Island didn't matter, right? Before they broke it up into seven one eight, and then Manhattan became two one two. And before that, it was what you saw on the honeymooners, right? I'm calling <laughs> Bensonhurst twelve, and it was the whole operator thing, <laughs> right? But the craziest thing about this all is zip codes mm -hmm. have been used to identify. Um, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, the area? Poor people. Poor people, exactly. rich people. You live in a right. rich zip code. Exactly. Exactly. You live in a poor zip code. You know, wow. Yeah, I'm, one, all, I'm a 10128. Right. One number 128. That's that your too, right? It, it's a wealthy zip code. Yeah, wealthy zip code. So your houses are good. Everything's good, yeah, right? But I'm in public housing. <laughs> right, right, right. And I live in 11377, uh, one, right? Which is. A, a good zip code, you know, that's Woodside, right? Yeah, what about 11106? Yeah, that's see, that, that, that's a rough one over there. 
that's a rough zip code. You don't want no parts of that one. But if you have the one one oh one 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 oh three, then you're off of Steinway Street in Astoria. Right. Right. right? So it just kind of depends. Yeah. Um, the piece to also remember is that the federal government mm. forced racist redlining policies mm. and still redlining to this day. Yes. And so um, not only did they have the zip codes, but they were also at the same time deciding which zip codes were the winners and losers oh. and uh, making sure that they kept equity and credit and mm -hmm. the ability to build generational wealth away from black and brown communities and also forcing black and brown people into uh, specific neighborhoods. I got to tell you that uh, the first time I heard about redlining, um, and I got to give a big shout out to Manny Martinez. Manny Martinez uh, and uh, Claudia Perez, they do a show that they do on Saturday called Me Hinting Me People. And he did a really big presentation on redlining. And it was the first time I had it. And he had a chart on how the red line flows and the whole thing, you know. So, uh, big shout out to Manny Martinez for actually bringing that to uh, to an understanding because had he not done that, I wouldn't have understood what yeah. you were talking about right now. And, and then I, he actually showed uh, how NYCHA, I saw that show. Was redlined. Red <laughs> Most of the NYCHA developments are in formerly redlined districts, district. which, is no, a, which is no accident. Which was incredible. Well, Ben, we have hit the hour. <laughs> and it went so quick. I have enjoyed myself. I hope your listeners enjoyed. And I, I will stop by any time and all of you are welcome to First Friday. I'm also <laughs> I mean, happy to go. They're going to come on. Building. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm coming to your building. I will come to your building. I'm happy to drop by your TA. Uh, if mm -hmm. folks are interested in any of the things they heard, if they're interested in having a politician who actually tells the truth, because that's kind of my thing, uh, they can go to kalos.nyc, K-A-L-L-O-S.nyc. Folks can give me a call at 212-960-3440. And you can also hit me on social media uh, at, uh, at Kalos uh, on pretty much every platform. And uh, this has been a pretty great way to uh, spend a Sunday. And I'll be listening to future One Night Trip podcasts. Yeah, awesome. Man. Wow, that is, man. Thank I'm, you. Thank you so much. And you see, see, that's real. Ben gave up his numbers like I'm at 212. And they can do at Kalos, any platform. <laughs> you can come to my office because I tell the truth. See, I invited like you that, to First Friday. That is so exciting. And Thank I you again. Say, it's really refreshing. Yeah. 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 Look, look at this picture. Look at this picture. That's on. That's yeah, on council wow. member. Thank you once again. Tell the truth. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. It's very refreshing. Very and this refreshing. is historic because this is our first elected elected official yeah. to come on yes. our show. Yes. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. on the first, One Night You podcast. Yes. Yes. We've been all, a year yeah. in. This is our yeah. first elected. Big shout to Sandra yeah. Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. She produced that one. Yeah. I'll drop your little, um, your uh, links and everything in our chat, and feel free on Facebook. We're at One Night You. Uh, the, the number one NYCHA and you can uh, actually engage with some of the viewers if you like. And thanks again for coming through and coming really cool. and your uh, staff is amazing. So uh, we have uh, next week. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. You know, yeah, we're yeah, not going to uh, tell. We, we, we work. You have Joe Biden working. come on next week? Hey, don't, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised. My reach, I, 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 I might have a short reach like this, but I have a reach. It's starting to get out of control and, now. And when it's, when it's like you know, when it's like Desperado, I just hit stand up and yeah, stand, find some people in the pen for me, baby. Stand <laughs> does, does it good. I, I don't know what to walk in the building. Next week, I might well, come I in. Social, I so, don't uh, know. We call it um, social, uh, 
uh, not social, secret, secret service, <laughs> be out front, like, okay, he's in. Yeah. He's in, right? I'm gonna, we do have some candidates in? coming on this month as well, okay. other candidates, but um, for other, you know, yeah. um, Allegiance Queens and right. uh, uh, District Attorney candidate Manhattan is coming on too soon. So, but right, no, so. I'm not announcing it next week. Okay, all right, cool. So, finalize. Is there anything particularly that you're doing this week that you want other people to know about? Uh, no, same old, same old. I'm still, I'm going to be working with trying to get some uh, mayoral candidates on some more, one or two. Uh, it's their schedule, you know, everybody's campaigning, so it's really, you know, rough. And they're still doing a lot of forums, too. They do know One Nitra, and they're lit up with No One Nitra. They know about us, but, you know, so we'll, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll, we'll get them on here. Yeah, we, we had one on originally way back, but it's time to bring, like, another two. Because June 22nd is coming, right? Yeah, yeah. I would like, you know, like, uh, some of the candidates that I'm kind of, I have my eye on, come on. Like I have my eye on Eric Adams. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm really kind of paying attention to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, yeah, we, one so, one with us. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so far, listen, Eric, mm-hmm. I met you twice already. Mm-hmm. So you might as well come on the show, knock mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, there's the other guy, that's the uh, stockbroker guy. McGuire. Oh, yeah, Ray McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had my eye on him Spike a little Lee bit. likes him. Yeah. Spike yeah. Lee backs him. Yeah. yeah. So, exactly. yeah, he's so. a looker. Yeah. He's a looker. But yeah. I can also say we have Maya Wiley coming out. To yeah, she was supposed to. Yeah, she was supposed to. We was. I, I met with oh, her yeah, people, but it just it didn't pan out. I guess because of campaign. Right. Right. But pay uh, attention yeah. to her too. Yeah. So you're yeah. gonna be in Queens, so you gotta come on out. Yeah, come on out. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Donovan might come yeah. on. Right, right, so, right, right. Because right. he can speak to the the non profit. Sean, I saw you do the one night thing. Uh huh. I saw you do that. I'm just saying. Might be able to speak about the you know that that uh component that wouldn't be privatized so that it doesn't have to be that so i think the listeners need to hear that so we can make um better choices and things so yeah but you know i'll be busy and you know join us join us friday uh i'll be out there with sugar ray Okay. Uh, right by Jacob Reese, 1025 41st Avenue. Maya Wiley's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try to, we're going to interview her yeah, you know, we'll for the one night show. Yeah. And uh, come on down and ask us some questions, uh, especially if you live in Queensbridge. Uh, don't let, don't let this candidate come and you don't come out there and ask her what her views are on public housing. So come join us this Friday. We'll be out there at 11 o'clock. Uh, we have vegan food. And we have the mayoral candidate, Maya Wiley, out there with us. By the way, how was that food you had? From oh, uh, oh, by Ladoska. Yes, the food was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, we're going to be, um, she's um, part of our health, hip-hop, and politics show. But she made a very, very good yeah, I'm still meal. working on my plate. Yeah, yeah my plate is empty. Tyler Green. Mike, 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 Can the camera see? I'm down to the, yeah. Can the camera see? Can they see yet? Hold it right here. Yeah, no, no, you ain't touching my oh, plate right, now. Right, Come just, on. Where at? Where? Okay. Yeah, so that's, 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 that's by Ladaska. Um, she's a co-host of the. Uh, you hear me? You ain't touching my plate. <laughs> yeah, old plate. Yeah. I'm trying to be sanitized. Food. So they I was picking at it. Thought I was going to eat it. The guys, yeah, no, the guys already ate this. I'm gonna munch on mine. It's empty. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. I'm down to the. All right, we about to lift off then. We gonna lift off. One night, one people. How we do? Don't forget one night to one people. Let's lift off. Let's do it, y'all. Thank you, council member. Yes.